It's Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Three o'clock hour, middle of the show. Remember, Mondays and Thursdays, because of uh, the football telecast, Thursday night football, Monday night football, we go to the uh, national call with Westwood One at 5 o'clock. Uh, over the next couple of weeks, John, yes. we're going to do a lot of running Rebel season preview. I'm excited. Uh, we talked to Shane Noel yesterday. We've had uh, multiple conversations on the air with Kevin Kruger. We also have a bunch of the opposition interviews that we've done and that includes Lorenzo Romar, who's an interesting guy because he's had quite the path. He's a West Coast basketball guru, an unbelievable recruiter, but a lot of guys in the NBA. Well, he's at Pepperdine now, and he's had a little bit of a rough time at Pepperdine because uh, while he's gotten some really good players, like great players, uh, retention is an issue. And you hear in this conversation, we'll talk about retention for the middle schools and lower schools in the West Coast Conference. Well, long story short, the Rebels are going to play at Pepperdine on November 17th. They're going to be in Malibu, and that's a you know a nice road spot. Um, so we sat down with Lorenzo Romar for about ten minutes, and uh, John starts off the conversation here as he mentioned some of the talented players who are returning for the Waves. A couple of minutes ago, actually, I was just reading uh, Houston Mallet, Javon Porter, named to the preseason team for the West Coast Conference. So I wanted to talk about both of them, and I want to actually start with Houston because. When I watch him, I love it. Like, the, the shot selection's awesome. Like, the way he comes around screens. Like, talk about his game for a little bit, because when I watch him play, I see a guy who's got, like, an NBA-level game, I think. Yusuf Millet is one of a kind. He's, uh, he's obsessed with the process, loves the game. His guy, his hero is Steph Curry. And you watch him out there playing, how he's just relentless in terms of his movement. He never stops. He's in great condition. Uh He's a great leader. His, uh, his 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 attitude is just infectious. He's uh, he's great to have. He's one of our co-captains, and going into his junior year, we expect him to have a great year for us. So when you watch him and, and you watch Javon, one of the things that sticks out is the shot making, but also shot selection. How do you coach that and balance that with them? Because some of the shots are incredible, but when I watch them sometimes, like, oh, that's a little contested. Like, maybe we can look for a, a little bit of a better shot. Well, if my assistants were sitting here, they would all look at me to say, how is he going to answer that one? Because uh, I probably, <laughs> I probably, to a fault, give him too much freedom at times, but I always have believed that guys that can score, you don't say a whole lot to them uh, if you understand their makeup, that they're trying to win the game because you don't want them to not play with confidence. And uh, sometimes it's contested, but he's one of those few that can make contested shots. Yeah. And if he gets in a zone, he can run off six, seven in a row, so you don't want to interfere with that. So Javon as well, uh, for those who don't know in our audience, uh, Michael Porter Jr. is uh, one of the younger brothers. So how much, when you watch him and his development, what do you expect from him this year after what you saw from him last year? Expect him to take a big jump. Yeah. He's put on 15 pounds of muscle. He's watched a lot of film. He played in games as a freshman. He looks back now in his freshman year and realizes how he could have done much better even though he had a good good freshman campaign uh, i just expect him to make a, a big jump for us this year and having those two because you got a pretty young roster like in terms of the depth right so how much not even just on the court but off the court having them helping out with a pretty young core of kids well we are uh senior citizens compared to what we've been like the last yeah. two years <laughs> the last two years we've literally been one of the youngest teams in the country the last two years and certainly in our conference this year 
Ethan Anderson, a transfer from USC and Wyoming, is a fifth-year senior. Houston Millette is a junior. We have Bubakar Kulabali, who's a junior. Uh, goes, the guys are, you know, probably in the starting lineup. That's different than what we've had in the past. So we're a little bit older, a little bit wiser, but uh, still, even Javon is a sophomore, but he's an, mentally, he's an old sophomore. The, uh, the transfer portal and the movement with players is amazing. Uh, Lorenzo Romar is with us from Pepperdine. You mentioned Ethan Anderson. He was a commit to UNLV. That's with right. Marvin Menzies. Before Marvin Menzies left. That's um, right. And then obviously played, went to you know, USC and landed at Wyoming. Um, that's pretty incredible. How are you dealing with the transfer portal? Because obviously there's this whole ecosystem where you know teams, and not to insult anyone, but teams from bigger conferences start looking around and are like, okay, let's let's go to let's go get Porter, right? It, it happens. It happens even within Power Five, where hey, let's go get so and so. So how are you retaining players? We lost a couple to the transfer portal last year. Mike Mitchell Jr., who was a starter for us, and Carson Basham, a big. Ethan Anderson was one of the replacements, so we ended up landing on our feet there. I think we landed on our feet from them, but for the most part, guys have been loyal. Houston Millette, I mean, he's all freshman team, and uh, he's still with us. You know, we have a young man named Malik Moore that's going to be a sophomore this year that he's going to take a big jump. He could have left. He's still with us. For the most part, our guys have been pretty loyal. And the, the fact that we haven't been winning the last couple of years speaks more to the fact that they've been very loyal. So uh, we've been okay that way. We have not dipped into the transfer portal as much. We've dealt with it when we lose someone. If we lose someone in the transfer portal or whatever, we try to replace them maybe with an older right. uh, student athlete. But uh, right now, we haven't been as involved either way, them leaving or coming. So that means the culture is good, which takes us back to the last couple of years. And uh, you have a great reputation of bringing guys in, developing them, and sending them off to the NBA. And Maxwell Lewis is a hell of a story, and he stayed around. Uh, first of all, how, how did you get him? Because he's a Vegas guy. Um, and then he, I mean, like he comes in almost immediately, and he's an impact player. Maxwell was, uh, he hadn't played varsity till his last year in high school. And he was a late bloomer. And he did improve, he had talent, but hadn't learned how to play the game as much yet. And uh, during the COVID year, they had thought about going to the NBA, maybe training for a year, getting really good and testing the waters with the NBA. So when he did that, he kind of fell off the map. Well, then we were contacted, a person said, they realized, no, we can't do that. They couldn't really train during COVID, so they didn't really make a lot of progress. So they were going to go to college, and they were looking for a place to go where he could develop, and they contacted us about that, and we were able to get him. Lorenzo Aromar is with us. It's one of the things that I, I'm a big NBA fan. And so, yeah, so am I. So, well, so then maybe you'll, you'll echo this too. Um, I think the Lakers scouting department and, and their development team is awesome. Like, I don't think they give enough credit for some of the guys that they find, develop, and then turn into really good pros. I think Maxwell fit, like, it's a great spot for him, right? Because that is a team that has a history of getting guys like him with real talent and making sure they find their stride. Well, no question that is the case uh, in, in LA. They, they have great personnel uh, in their front office, great scouting. I mean, Bill Burka, longtime NBA guy, is still with them. I actually went to the workout when Max worked out. Maxwell worked out for the Lakers, and Bill Burka was right there. They've got some really good eyes and a lot of experience in there, in knowing what they're doing. But uh, they they saw Max, and uh, 
decided they wanted him. It's great for Maxwell because he still is learning. He still is learning. He is a sponge. To be there with a guy like LeBron, with LeBron, there's not a guy like LeBron. To be there with LeBron, with all the experience, he's going to learn so much. He's there with a couple of veterans. I think that's a better situation than if he'd have went somewhere where they had a bunch of young players as well, where he couldn't learn from any as much. So I think it's a great situation from them, and I applaud their efforts and how they went out and did the research and evaluated Maxwell. I'm glad you mentioned Bill Burka because there is tremendous value to having veteran, like real veteran people on your scouting staff. Um, I was at San Diego last year, UNLV took on San Diego, and I looked to my left, and Bernie Bickerstaff is sitting next to me. I'm like, what? There we go. I'm like, what the hell's going on here? He's like, yeah, I'm making a whole trip around the West Coast. I'm like, this is insane. I mean, Bernie's been around forever. Um, on the value of going to a veteran team like the Lakers, we're very excited here to see what happens with Chris Wood, who's put up numbers in, in other spots. He's, he's on a good Dallas team. Sometimes Chris's motivation, and it even happened here, like he, the game comes so easy to him, um, sometimes it's not there. I think with LeBron, Chris Wood has a chance to really be an impact player. He may not score a bunch of points and grab all the rebounds he has been in other spots, but he should develop and reach another level. There's some players that uh, are kind of on the fence, and they can go either way depending on the group that they're around, right? So if the group is a bad group, maybe they go that way. But if it's a good group and a, a group <clears throat> that's going to help police them, then they go that way, and that could very well happen with, with Christian Woods because he certainly, as you mentioned, has tremendous ability. No doubt. Now, now that said, he's made like fifty million dollars in the NBA, so he, he's fine. I, you know. That's right. <laughs> um, let's let's wrap on this. Pepperdine coach Lorenzo Romar is with us. So on November seventeenth, UNLV love to live. <laughs> UNLV is going to be out at your place. I'll ask you first of all, how hard is it to get teams to you know non-con to come to your place? Uh, and how'd you get this put together? Was this you know years in the making? Coach Kruger and his staff—they were—they uh, were great. Uh, been knowing Coach Kruger and his dad, Lon, forever, and uh, they just agreed to do it. And it is difficult. It's very difficult to get someone of that caliber to come to play at Pepperdine. But they agreed to do it, and and even uh, better, they agreed to come to our place first. So uh, it's uh, it's good. We're excited to have them. And November seventeenth, you'll have the game in Malibu. You want to go to that one, John? Malibu, man. Malibu. Friday, Friday night. Ooh, can't Friday night, yeah. You get you get kind of cooked on the, the Saturday and Sunday shifts over at VSIM. Just a bit. You got to be on the air at 9. I don't know if I'm making that turnaround. Oh, you could do it. I mean, I was going to say. you very tired. No, when I say I don't know if I can make it, I mean, like, I don't know if I would, like, make it. It's getting old. It's getting old. Yeah. Uh, Demond, JVT, Cofield. That was Lorenzo Romar, Pepperdine coach, former Washington coach. He's been all over the Pac-12, sent a bunch of players to the NBA. I really liked his commentary. Uh, I'll say brutally, brutally honest, but it's just honest. Like Chris Wood, in a good environment, motivated to be consistent and play defense, is going to be a success. When that doesn't happen, then he's going to be up and down. I think in the Lakers' environment, I mean, it's going to be put up or shut up. He's not playing if he doesn't do what they want him to do. And game one, he had 15 minutes, 7.4 rebounds. He can be a rim protector. He should be an important part of their team. Um, and especially since we all saw the the note that came out, what, yesterday or the day before, or I think right before the uh, the discussion was right before the opener against the Nuggets, that the Lakers are going to do their best during the regular season to not push LeBron past 28 or 30 minutes in any given game. Yep. So the opportunity is there, Chris. You buried the lead, too, by the way. What was the lead? A solid plus two and three or four from the floor. 
just a positive contributor all the way around for Chris. Okay. Greatest UNLV big man of this century. That's the way it said. Yep. Best big man of the century for the Rebels. Yep. No, I never get an argument. <laughs> you know what's funny? I never I ne- no, I never get it when I put that out on social media, I never get an argument. Brandon McCoy was very good for that one season. And uh they really haven't had a ton of high high scoring and people forget, you know, when Chris was here that he made it look easy to be an eighteen ten and four block guy. <clears throat> oh yeah. I mean I still I'll never forget like I said, I was always a big Chris Wood fan. Again, you gotta put it together mentally, understand the criticism of him. It, it is it always it is a image that is burned in my mind forever, and I don't know why. But when they beat Arizona, and I always forget I always forget his name. I always remember Chris Wood's name, but the big white center that they had, and him just putting his shoulder right into his chest and finishing over him and screaming and just being like, "Man, like that's that's a special talent, and he can make it in the league if he does it." And hey, maybe he's made it, but he can make it further if he actually dedicates himself. Holidays are on the way. Halloween is here. Christmas, though, and gift-giving season is right around the corner. I think I have a suggestion for you, but more importantly, your wife, on what to get you. All right, John, have you started to put together a holiday gift list? I don't even know how much you guys exchange, you and your wife. Oh, oh that's a big big topic of contention at the Von Tobel House. I am, uh, I'm very much adamant in cutting the list every year. Cutting it down. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We can't afford this. Not, not today's cut. Isabel, well, Isabel wants to buy everybody everything they ever want. And I'm like, dude, we love the people that we love. But they'll understand. It's all about the kids two, now. Yeah, we have two kids. Outside like, of the family, gets they, almost nothing. That's what I've been trying to say. Right? That's what I've been the trying kids, to say. It's going to be the kids. And yeah. then between the two of you, I don't know what you want to do. Like a couple, a couple of gifts exchanged. You know, that's it. It's all about the The, the battle that I, that I fight. You and the cats. Um... The cats will get some gifts. They'll mm-hmm. bo- mostly be uh, bargain basement type thing. They don't know the difference, right? You basically you give them a like a box, and they they love it. That's right, aluminum they, foil they, ball. They, they just want to rip stuff. Mm-hmm. But they like the super fancy condos. They look at it and they're like, nah, no. Build this big tower, nah. Give me a box. Yep. <laughs> give me some cardboard. Some but yarn. The, the the battle that I fight, and I'm grateful for anything I get, is I just want I want useful stuff. I don't need creativity. And, you know, one of the things I've been thinking about the last couple of days, it's going to sound so stupid, is I want some more knives and I want some good scissors. And now Damon, as a young guy, is laughing, but I want, like, some really good scissors yeah. to cut food and yeah. whatever. Um, and I know you were talking about you're making an early purchase. This won't be Christmas, but are you upgrading or is it the first time you're getting one? Um I'm upgrading. Okay. This is actually this is another point of contention in the Von Tobel House. Mm-hmm. So we had a smaller crock pot. We have rough lives, folks. Yep. Rough lives. Uh, we had a smaller crock pot. Yeah. And and one of the things that we're really trying to do is budget, right? Which so that means cooking at home more, right? Like making sure yeah. that you go grocery shopping, that's your food for the day. You guys saw me eat food in the break room that I brought yes. from earlier today. You would never do that in the yep, studio. Never. Um I would never do it. And I would never do it. So I brought that from home. Keep We're in mind, we video the entire show right. during the breaks Proof. and on air. I would never do it. Uh, so trying to do that. Might have to pull film. And one of the things, too, is that obviously, you know, feeding the kids, all that kind of stuff. we got two kids now, and, D- and Dimitri, the youngest, is eating food that we eat now. Yeah. So we got to feed everybody. you got to have meals for the week. <laughs> yep. 
What are, what, are, what are you talking about? Now we got to feed them now. Yeah, we do. Here. Well, because so it's different, right? It's an unfortunate side. Well, no, because what it used to be you is to feed you'd buy the baby meals, which is like tiny little raviolis or whatever. So it was just, hey, pop it in the microwave for 20 seconds. Boom, that's his food. Now he's like eating food that we eat. So we bought a, cro- a bigger crock pot because one of the issues, Isabel used to use the old crock pot, which was smaller, for storage when we weren't. So she would put like pots in it, whatever. What? Well, one day, it's a ceramic bowl. She cracked it. So it was already small as it was, so I bought a new oh one. Oh, my God. Bought a new one. You they're actually them. not that expensive. They're not. No. They're, and, they're, and they're worth every penny. Yes. Did you buy like a mega one? Not a mega one, but like a good, I think it was like a, like a 10-quart one or oh, something like size. that. Yeah, it was a solid oval-shaped one. That's a good size. So right at home right now, I got a text. Chicken and dumplings are almost done. Yesterday, How exciting is that, Damon? Yesterday, Damon. That's pretty good, actually. Yesterday, just sat it and forget it. Threw in some beef with a bunch of mixins in there. Yep. Beef and broccoli, just like that. Just got to wait for four hours, yep. and your house smells it smells amazing. Yeah. It's the best part about it. I always forget, so I like to start it at like one a.m. when I go to bed. Wake up to it, which is not, which is not. <laughs> well, I mean, given your diet, tender. you'll probably slam down like a yeah. ribeye or something at like five in the morning <laughs> with some coffee. So, I got yelled at today. I made some lunch with some ramen. I threw an egg in there. That's normal. That's you know, I have too much ramen apparently. Yeah, that's normal. Oh, she doesn't like. Egg and ramen? I have too much ramen. Oh, okay, that's the problem. Okay. Oh, okay. Yeah. I like ramen. It's good. What flavor? Uh, today, I don't know. I, you know what? I got I got some ramen about two years ago. Okay. I'm still trying to work through, and it was just it's a bad flavor, so I add my own flavor to it. So mm-hmm. I, I still don't know what the flavor is, but I eat it. It's what you do. That's concerning that you still have ramen from two years ago. We're talking about last. It's you, not about that you? it's going to expire. Like, how much did you get? You know what's funny? They were uh, they were a little bit bigger bowls. There was only like maybe maybe twelve bowls. The the point is I didn't like it. Oh, but I don't I don't care if I don't like it. I'm going to eat it because yeah, f- I spent the money. It. I'm going to fight through it. I will I will season it and make it palatable. Mm-hmm. But it's not getting thrown out. Oh, Isabel's the worst. If she makes something, if we buy something, you know, like the other day, did I want spicy noodles for lunch? No, I didn't. I was going to get something else. Yeah. But Isabel made this thing. She bought it, and I told her, I'm like, you're not going to like that. No, 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 it looks good. Makes yep. it. I see it's full bowl just kind of sitting there. I'm like, <laughs> you didn't like it, did you? She's like, no. I'm like, I'll eat it. We're not, oh, we're not throwing that oh, away. Oh, in our house, we don't get one. Yeah. It's it, it's six of it, and then it's not liked, and I'm like, all right, I'm, I guess I'm eating that one. Um, because why, guys? Because we don't give fish back. That's right. The times are tough. As well, um, not the best place I, for that joke. I, but yeah. I will tell because my stories—I uh, don't know if they're legendary, but they're kind of creepy about uh, eating old food. Um, very budget conscious. So we got some wings on Sunday, and I forgot that the SO is is a little bit picky when she eats the wings. I don't want to be judgmental, but let's say there's all the chicken is not eaten, and I was like, "Hey, throw the wings when you're done with them in this box," you know, because we, we have animals, so we don't want them rifling through the garbage. Uh, did I tell this on the air or off the air the other day? No, you told me this off the air. Yeah, I. Um, so a couple hours later, I'm like, oh, let me throw out those wings, and uh, I looked at her bones, and I was like, unacceptable. I you threw them in the microwave. I put them in the microwave, heated them up, and I ate the rest of her because there was too much chicken left on there. I'm like, how much are we gonna waste? It was delicious. It's ridiculous. It's a little ridiculous. Why? It's even more disgusting the second time I hear you tell it. <laughs> I know. It's a little ridiculous. The fact that you're funny, re- fu- funny. I have a cold right now. I don't know where I got it. Yeah, the, I was gonna say the <laughs> fact that you reheated it with her saliva all over it already. Oh, what's the difference? You're together. I mean, yeah, you never swap saliva. What's the difference? No, I'm still a virgin, actually. I was, yeah. Wait, huh? What? Kids? A while ago? 
Steve, is it the principal, or no did fan. it even taste good? It tastes pretty good. Yeah, it tasted good. It was fun. You know what's funny? I, I need like, a picture. The fact did you that take I'm, a picture? The fact that I'm grossing you guys out, I did not even think for a second that I was wrong or that it was weird. Well, it's not even that, like, it's not. I just, I can't imagine myself looking at what I assume is a box full of wings with bites in them and mm-hmm. going, still good. Yep. <laughs> like, and consuming them. What do you think animals do? Well, of course. We're not animals. We're evolved. Yeah, I am. I'm not joking when I say I'm an animal. Watched a good five-minute doc with the kid the other day about, uh, is it Caro or whatever? You know, the vulture-type birds that go around and just... Oh, really? Oh, yeah. They were going to town on a dead goat. That's rough. Diego didn't really understand it. No? No. He was kind of just... He's still kind of... Messed. The concept of death is kind of coming around to him, but he's not really there yet. Yeah, that's a tough one to watch. Uh, some animal that can't defend itself just get ripped to shreds. Oh, the goat was already dead and like rotting, so oh, it's they just cool. just kept going after yeah. it? It's funny. Well, vultures are... The goat head was just like, uh, you know, just tongue out of the mouth, just laying in the I, road. I'll tell you, that's a good sports radio nickname. The dead goat? No. Screw, oh. screw. <laughs> Everyone's a mad dog. How about the vulture? Oh, uh, yeah. Well, what's if your we, th- if, what we can ever, if we can ever uh, officially get one of you guys on the staff, we could go with Von Tobel and the vulture. Yeah, it's good. I mean, and, and the, have a jingle. The and thing, just though. Have some kind of nasty eating sound at the end of it. But the thing behind mad dog is like, right, like his sports takes, like, he's so crazy. He's like yeah. a mad dog. Yeah. Like, you know, what's like the vultures? Like, I pick on the corpses of failed sports stars and yes, make fun of them. Yes. Like, oh. yeah. On the corpses of uh, failed sports takes. Okay, that's a good one. I'll yeah. give you one right now. Um, the 49ers are going to be better with Sam Darnold than Brock Purdy. This will not fail. I mean, a lot of people thought that. You know what? One of the hottest, one of the hottest ticket items for in the betting world during the summer was Sam Darnold comeback player of the year. Yeah. So it's not well, like you're alone. You know, and thinking the reason that. I throw it out, I'm glad that you you pointed out that that's not a unique take. Is that I. I heard Colin Cowherd yesterday talking about how much he loves Darnold, and I remember that take going all the way back to USC. And then today, uh, Doug Gottlieb's talking to someone over on Fox Sports Radio or Sister Station. He's like, I'm the last man alive with the Sam Darnold ticket. I'm like, no, you're not. I'm like, on your freaking network, Colin loves it. And I was like, I, I, I still have hope for Sam Darnold. I don't love him. But I do think he got screwed by the Jets, and I don't think the Panthers is a good situation. And more importantly – I think Purdy's good. I don't think Purdy is like an incredible talent. Sam Darnold has more natural talent. So I'm really curious to see if Darnold goes in there with a great coach. If you know, basically is Purdy a system quarterback? Can anyone yes. above average work with Little Shanny? Yes. Uh, Brock Purdy is the 20th graded passer by PFF standards. He is 34th in turnover worthy play rate. He's not good. He's in a system that maximizes his talents. Hello. And that's I think it's really simple actually. The fact that I which game was it two weeks ago? He became was he the favorite to win MVP or like co favorite after to win the MVP? Cowboys game? Yep. Get get all it the way out like of three here. to one. Yeah, if, if I'm I'll do this. All right, you want a vulture take? I guess I'm gonna pick on this later. Von Tobel and the vulture. Right, half mad dog too. Anybody with half a brain watching football can tell you that Brock Purdy is not a is not the reason why the 49ers are good. It's really clear. So if Sam Darnold, with much more natural talent, gets in there, I'll go you one further. He's not giving the job back. Brock Purdy will never start another game in this league again. All right. Mark that. Mark that. And if not, I'll retire. If I'm wrong. Don't don't do that. We got got to get to that. That silliness, that was ridiculous this week. I'd love to retire early. Completely ridiculous. I get all the benefits, right? On the way back, I want to get the audience ready. I'm sure they can get ready without us. But uh, get a couple takes on what's going on tonight with the Bills, with Baker Mayfield. 
Are the Bucks actually dangerous? Because they are winning games. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio on ESPN Las Vegas. Okay, be very careful in how you answer this. Cofield and Company, John Von Tobel, Steve Cofield, ESPN Las Vegas. I'll do it. Damon. I'll do, do you it. guys listen to Q Myers? Yes. Our every day. Yep. Okay, good. That was it. I also listen to him when he tells me to do things like not eat in the studio. Okay. These are important instructions. Uh, he was doing his show last night on ESPN National. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and he had on a dude named Sal Capaccio, who sounds very Buffalo. Capaccio. Uh, Sal is the sideline reporter for the Bills. And they asked him a question at the end of the interview. They were talking Bills. And they were talking about the Super Bowl window for the Bills. <laughs> and they're like, hey, you know, is, is, it, is it still open? And Sal's like, as long as Josh Allen is around, he is fabulous. Then the window is open. And I thought to myself, oh, I guess he wasn't on the sidelines last week. Is that what you thought to yourself? I don't know. I wanted to get your reaction because if – listen, can the Bills win a Super Bowl? Yes. Are the Bills right now a super team in the NFL? No, and the sportsbooks are telling us that. Where's this number sitting right now? Uh, I think it's an 8.5, is it not? Last okay. time I checked, 8.5, 9. But maybe it started, I saw it started to come down when I was leaving the house. So. Does that seem right to you? Uh, it seems Should right. they be actually, a bigger favorite if they were? I guess they're. It's actually right. up to 10. So Yeah, so then everyone's pounding Buffalo. Okay. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. So, first off, Tampa's not that great. I, as somebody who had bet them last week and Ooh. watched them. Crap that game away. Actually, she probably should never been. She should have never been in it. Uh, thank you, Desmond Ritter, for at least giving me some hope. They are a team that is rated, I think, too highly, though. Buffalo. I mean, you go back to last week. They were what eight and a half point favorites against the New England Patriots. Never had a chance of covering that game. Not a second. And Josh Allen, the last two weeks, has been average at best. And one of the things that is kind of interesting when you watch last week, and then I, I'm really interested to see if it transpires over the season. If you go back in recent years, one of the things with Josh Allen that you didn't really do was you don't blitz him, right, because he can get you. Last week against the Blitz, he was a nightmare. He was atrocious. According to PFF numbers, at a 53 grade. He had a 5.5 yards per attempt, completed only 11 of 20 attempts in that one, committed a turnover-worthy play. It's where the Bill, or excuse me, where the Patriots created most of the hay was, was blitzing him on key downs. And if that strength is gone now for him, you already struggled, and everybody was just rushing three and dropping everybody. What's going to happen? I mean, this is one of the things why we talked about this a lot. Brian Dable did a great job because he allowed, like, he at least reined in Josh Allen enough to where the mistakes weren't killing them, and he maximized everything that he did. But Dable hasn't been there, and you've seen a slow decline in Josh Allen's play. And he's still above average. He's still good, but he needs like the perfect system and the perfect offensive play caller to, I think, for lack of a better term, tame him and make sure that he's on the right path. Because if he's not, this is what you get the last two weeks. Why won't they run the ball? I don't know. Why is he – if they have a running game, it has to be him. I mean, I, I would say that is a flaw in the way that you've built your team. You know, if your offensive line is not good enough to open up gaps and run the ball consistently, and if you're passing – you know, we, you hear this all the time from guys that work in football – where, hey, sometimes like teams like when Mike Leach was around, uh, Washington State, they never ran the ball, but their short passing attack was run game by extension. You know, a bunch of quick hits out into the flats and get guys out in space. That's how you run the ball because we can't really run it that effectively. 
in the NFL, you need to run it somewhat. It's not, hey, run to establish the pass, but it's run so that your quarterback who has a penchant for like putting the ball in danger doesn't have to have everything on his shoulders. I mean, their lead back, James Cook, is averaging 12 carries a game. Yeah. They, they play football like I play Madden. It's just like it's just <laughs> shotgun, and we're just slinging it. Like, that's all we're doing. And then maybe on a fourth and one, I'll run it up the middle if you guys have like a light box. But that's about it. Which, and even then, I won't do it well. Which Raider should they trade for? Josh Jacobs or Hunter Renfro? I was going to say some offensive lineman, but I don't think he won. Ah, is Colt Miller available? Might or, want to do or, that. or should they go next level and try for Derrick Henry? So that's like a chicken. Are they going to use him is the question. I just gave you two good running backs. Will they use that person and give them 18 to 22 touches a game? Well, it's also a chicken and the egg thing, though, right? Like, if if you get Derrick Henry, is it just going to be Derrick Henry behind a weak offensive line so he can't really do anything? Like, how much does Derrick Henry actually maximize your running game? He is going to raise the floor, but to what extent? So maybe it's something where he's going to be enough of a – not a decoy, but he's going to be back there so he warrants some attention, so thus maybe – it's going to lighten things up for you, but you have to like use it, right? It's the whole thing. You can't lead a horse to water and make him drink or whatever. You, you can't lead a horse to water. You yeah. lay on the 10, Bills? I know you're not laying anything. Devon looks really you're serious. You're not going to bet. You got really serious. Put yeah. the hood on. No, Stone you know on. what happened? Well, you guys were talking about Derrick Henry and another, and I kind of just zoned out for a little bit. Okay. The sad internal music was playing. and uh, Oh, the Titans thing. Okay. Yeah. It's always good. Happen again? Yeah, just 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 hit so me. So basically, we like I dropped two f bombs while I was talking too. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> you could have nothing. Boy, boy, I zoned out too. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> Guess we got yeah, some yeah, trouble. Yeah, Bills ten. Yeah, I'll let you. <laughs> All right. So what do you want to do with this game? I, I think I'd rather take ten than lay it. Yeah. I'm not going to bet anything uh, for what it's worth. John Von Model's got it as a 13 point win for the Buffalo Bills. But I think the model's been too high on him. Last week it had Buffalo as one of our top five plays. Didn't get there. So. The model. Yeah, the model. He's doing all right. Overall edge is 59%, 20 and 15 in the contest. I mean, it's you, right? I mean, yeah. Okay. But I but give you like, it the You credit. like describing it as some separate entity yeah. in your life? Yeah. I mean, I punch in the numbers. It does all the work. I don't so. know what it's doing overnight. I go right. to sleep. It just keeps working. That's right. Is that what's happening? It's its own. You wake up in the morning, you're like, I wonder what it produced overnight. Steve, I like to, I have this thing, and I, I do it at home as well. On the off chance that the robots rise up, I'm really nice to robots. I talk nicely to Alexa. Actually, I are. always say thank you. Do you? Oh, yeah. Refer to John Von Model as its own entity, just in case. Never know. I yell a lot. The only thing I use Alexa for, because I took, we have one of them, I put it outside. I'm like, you're not listening anymore. You go outside. So it's just there to play music. But the, I, I, we put on the music so loud sometimes, it's I'm always on. like, Alexa, stop. And then the SO's you, you like, are yelling yeah, at it. You yell at it for your own choices. It's going to remember that. Well, it's just about the volume. It gets too loud. Right, but you put it that loud. I did. It's exactly. my fault. So, again, it's not I, a standalone I go back here. to remember the pandemic when the Alexas, when we were all at home, remember the malfunctions with the Alexas, how they would randomly laugh? Like there was like this weird update where they would randomly laugh at times. They would also randomly give people directions to the nearest morgue. Oh wow. I'm not doing Is it. Is that a threat? Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> Coming up. Uh back to the NBA. Boy, there was I cannot believe that Russell uh, Russell Westbrook has become this highly debated, ranked the number ninety four player in the league, and people are, are going crazy over that. Show me f- 93 other people better than Russell Westbrook in the NBA. I'll wait. You got two people on the list that ain't played one NBA minute. 
How the f are they better than Russ? <laughs> who is that? Who the who the two? Wimby and Scoop. Oh, better than Russ? They got Russ 94, dog. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. John Von Tobel on that podcast. That's right. No, it was actually Kenyon Martin. What is going on with you guys? It's like a Westbrook fan club now. Well, no. So this is this has gotten ridiculous. Let's bring in Curtis Terry, former Rebel, giant NBA fan. Of course, his brother played in the NBA, coaches in the NBA, and Jason Terry. Curtis, how you doing? I'm doing good. How's it going, fellas? Do you want to just start screaming and yelling about Russell Westbrook and his 94th ranking? I mean... What is going little, on? Why is everyone little, so mad? It's a little absurd. <laughs> I mean, Russell Westbrook isn't that far removed from his uh, from his MVP days when okay. he was at Thunder, but... Um, he's definitely better than 93 other guys in the league. I mean, he's, he's, he's got to be top top 50 at worst, right? I mean, I would say he's in that space. Because what this is, and this is ridiculous, because for some reason, actually I know the reason, Russell Westbrook went to the Los Angeles Lakers, was blamed for all of their problems, even though it wasn't his fault. It, it was part of the problem, but it wasn't all of his problem. But then it's weird how, you know, Curtis, he goes over to Los Angeles Clippers, Fits like a glove. Was awesome for him last year. Was great in the series against Phoenix. Was awesome in the first game uh, last night, right? 29 minutes, 11 points, 12 assists, or 13 assists. It's it's kind of weird, right? Like, Wait, is that awesome? What do you mean? For his role? Yes. Well, yeah. no, for, no, for the standard he set. But what do you mean? But, like, I don't... What he was. Yeah, what he was. But that's what people are looking at. Yes. That, but, Steve, first off, yes, what he was. He was an MVP-level player. Now, he is the third option... On a, pl- on a team that has two better players than him. That's where he's at right. in his career. That's what happens when you get older. So Ben Simmons put up four, ten, and nine. Awesome? <laughs> no, not awesome. Yeah, what are we Wait, what's happening here? Wait, what, what do you mean? <laughs> Why are we – that's not even a clo- – I don't know what comparison you're making here. You're just arguing to argue at this point. <laughs> no, I'm just going on the line. It's, this is kind of along the lines He's of, also 35, Steve. Thank okay. you, Juan. Well, then – but you guys are setting different parameters and, and bars for different different guys. It's How? the impact. It's the impact. It's the impact of okay. what you do on the so court. It's not all night about in the night out. Okay. Um, like Ben Simmons, I mean, uh, I think Spencer Dinwiddie came out and said that they needed Ben Simmons to be all NBA defense Ben Simmons, um, and he was nowhere near it. I mean, what he did is that line. He's going to have to be better for them. But Russell Westbrook, in his role of what he is asked to do on that team with Kawhi, with Paul George, um, with Norman Powell coming off the bench, I mean, he, that's what he needs to bring. Bring the energy. Uh, bring the hustle, the intensity, get his teammates going. I think last year, and, and David, you probably know this better, but I think the number of guys that he sets up on catch-and-shoot threes, I mean, he's tops in the league in, in producing those opportunities for his teammates. I mean, so Russell Westbrook, what he produced last night, that's what he's going to bring every night. The, the Clippers are going to have a very good chance. But what Ben Simmons did, I mean, that's not acceptable for anybody, let alone a guy that was right. you know, as, as highly drafted as he was. And also, I mean, like, and I'll go back to it too. Again, it's one game this regular season. He averaged twenty three seven and seven in the playoffs last year. Like he was freaking great yeah. last yeah. season. Pretty good. Okay. <laughs> Curtis Terry's in with us as we talk some NBA. We'll get to uh, the Rebels and the Mountain West Conference in the beginning of the season. All right, we want your take on this one. I got a couple of bites here to play on the situation with James Harden. Before we play the bites, I just want your take on what's happened the last couple of days because apparently Harden showed up and he's like, "All right, ready to go. I'm ready to go on the road trip." And the Sixers are like, "Yeah, we're not. So leave." Yeah, it's tough, man. And I've always been a, I've always been a James Harden fan. I've been a Beard fan. Um, 
just from from the times when I've had to interact with him when Jason was playing for uh, with for the Houston Rockets and his friendship relationship with him. Um, obviously, James Harden is not the player and going to have the role that he had when he was with the Rockets um, in terms of being MB, M, MVP caliber player um, and, and being able to take 25 shots a night um, and, and being a leading scorer. He obviously can still be a leading assist man on his team like he proved last year with the Sixers. Uh, but I think it's an interesting dynamic, obviously, what's going on with what he calls the front office or management. Um, in terms of him being traded and, and feeling like he was being lied to. So it's going to be weird how that plays out. And now, and now they think that the NBA is looking into whether they're violating the, the rest rule because they've got a national TV game tonight to, to open the season against the Bucks, And if he's violating that by not playing him. Um, but I think this everybody knows that James Harden is, is going to want to be where he wants to be. Um, in the day and age of what we are in, in NBA and free agency and trades, I mean, that's what – these guys and these teams and these owners have allowed these guys to demand where they want to be, so it's not out of character for him to be taking this route. It's just going to be interesting to see how this plays out over the next couple of weeks or is it the couple of months until they get to the trade deadline to see how things play out for where he does end up finding a landing spot. John, can they make a decent trade with Harden the Sixers where they get something productive back? I, I mean, productive is kind of a weird term, right? Yeah. You can get a solid, decent player, but like, for example, the Clippers, and I think they're right. And again, I'm a Clippers fan, so this is jaded. But why would you give up Terrence Mann, like a productive guy who's a starter for your team now at this point, who fits really well with what you're doing? Like, why would you give that up for a guy who got his way at each of the last two stops and then still forced his way out? I mean, right. there's no danger. You're selling for pennies on the dollar. And then for Curtis, the sound I was talking about was uh, Doc Rivers with Bill Simmons, and he, he basically suggested, that, hey, last year when they were talking about Harden in the organization, I think it was Sam Cassell was saying that, hey, Maxie, Maxie's ready to go. He's ready to be a second guy. They just have to move Harden for the right piece. Do you believe that? Without Harden and the upside of Harden, can the Sixers be a good team? Can Maxie be a great player? Uh, yes, they can be a good team. Maxie's going to be a great player, but I think the dynamic that James Harden brings on the court is still valuable. I mean, he led the NBA in assists last year. Um, even when, when Joel Embiid was out, the amount of attention that he draws offensively, when he gets it going and he's hitting shots, he's still one of the top five scorers in the NBA when he's healthy and in shape. So I think it's, it's, it's kind of a slippery slope to say we don't need him. We can get that same production in Tyrese Maxey. I think you can, but it's not going to have the same impact on the game. But if they're just going to say it's a wash and we don't need James Harden to be able to try to win a championship, I, I think it's a joke. But I, I agree with JVT. I don't think that the, six, uh, the Clippers are in a position to try to make a trade for Terrence Mann. Uh, or to get James Harden right now when you have Terrence Mann, unless they see how this thing starts out. If it starts slow, then they might make a move. But I think right now you kind of sit on your hands and see what happens. And that's like Curtis, that's one of the biggest things that I always talk about with this. It was the same deal uh, like with Milwaukee and Damian Lillard, right, which is you sit on your hands and you wait because things change. And what happened during the offseason was, hey, Giannis Antetokounmpo started talking. And so Milwaukee went out and got Damian Lillard. It's the same thing. Things change. Phoenix – they had an offer for Kevin Durant that wasn't really that great. They got a new owner. Something changed, and they went and got Kevin Durant by the owner's acquisition. You know, the owner's request. So, to this point, if you're Philadelphia, it behooves you to kind of just sit back, convince him to come play. It benefits him too because he's in the last year of his contract, right. and things change. And teams will look at their squads and go, "Hey, ten games in, we need something. Let's go get James Harden." Yeah, it's a very fluid situation because I think once if, if James Harden does come back, and again, he, I think they said that every game he misses and he's not there, it's the $390,000 fine. So James is smart. He's about his money. He's going to be in the building and be available if they choose not to play him. That's on them. But I think you let him play, let him show his numbers, let him go out and get his 18 and 11, and then the team's going to be like, ooh, you know what? We could probably use James Harden. We could use the beard right now to help us. If we get into the middle of November and things are starting slow, let's make a move. And so I think that's the approach that's going to happen because I think the one thing I do know is James Harden, when the ball rolls out there and it's time to play, he's going to go and play and he's going to get his numbers and, and, and do his thing. Curtis Harry's with us. 
former Rebel, one of the voices of the Rebels on radio, a host of the Kevin Kruger radio show. I thought this one was interesting this morning. I was listening to Colin Cowherd, and uh, I thought this was a very basic way to look at the NBA. He was very impressed by the Celtics and the fact that Porzingis opened with 30. And he started running down teams, and he's like, who's our number four option? Uh, Porzingis, wow, he's a number four option. I think they can be right there with the Nuggets. I'm like, okay, I think it's kind of early for that, but is that how we look at NBA teams, simply by who they have as their fourth scoring option on any given night? Uh, I, I think it's going to start to come to that because obviously really? you know who your, your your number one is, you know who your number two is, um, but it, it typically comes down to like who's going to X each other out, right? Who's going to be that X factor? Um, you've got Drew Holiday, you've got Porzingis, so I think it, it's a good approach for them. I don't think right now you can say that they're going to contend with the Nuggets. I think that was one game. I don't think they played their best basketball at all. I think the Knicks gave that one away, especially being up, what, five or six with, with three and a half, four minutes left. Um, so I think there's a long way to go, but I think it's – it's definitely uplifting and enlightening for, for Porzingis to have that type of performance. But you've got to take into consideration that he was back in New York and was probably had a little something to prove, um, considering he doesn't feel like it, it went well for him that first time around being a Nick. Uh, so I think that had a lot to do with it. But I, I think they're, they're heading in the right direction. But again, if, if Porzingis is giving you 30 and he's your number four option, it's, it's going to be a good season. The Running Rebels open up on November 8th. They've got a couple of games before uh, it starts getting a little more heated. They're going to be playing... Uh, uh, November 8th and November 11th. If Keelan Boone is not eligible by the NCAA for a second transfer, uh, I've talked to Kevin Kruger about this, like who his mix would be. Uh, he's pretty confident he's got some depth and versatility at that big spot. Are they going to be okay if Keelan Boone is not around at the big spot? Uh, yeah, they're going to have to be okay because they, they, they have to figure it out and be okay. I mean, obviously you want him to be able to play um, and, and get that waiver approved, uh, but I don't think if you if you don't, I think they're going to find a way to figure it out and get it done, especially with how basketball is now. It's positionless basketball, just like in the NBA in college. You're basically four, throwing four guards out there, four wings and a big guy, or what's considered a big in terms of size. Um, but I think in, in terms of what they did in that close scrimmage, I know that the stat sheet got leaked after what they did against USC, and they, rebound, they out-rebound the USC team by six who was a tournament team, who's picked second to finish in the, in the Pac-12. Um, I, I think that's, that's good omens for what they did, especially when you, when you got it reported that, that Jalen Hill went out and got 10 rebounds. And so if you're getting that from a guy that's going to play your 3-4, you're going to be in a good spot. And so I think that the Rebels are going to be okay when it comes to depth. But if, if you have him, it's only going to help. Yeah, Caleb Boone came off the bench. He had a good game. Boy, it would be really cool if Lou Rod, one, could stay healthy. But if he can be consistent with his shot, I'm not saying he's going to be Harkless, right. but he could be a 15, 16 point per game guy to to lead the way. He's going to have to be right. I mean, it, it, when when you look at what he started the year last year, I think we had this conversation, Steve, you and I, and, and Adam, like who's who's UNLV's number one. And at that time, I was like, I don't know. It, it could be Harkless. <laughs> um, it could be Lou Rod. It ended up being Elijah. But I think the way it started out, Lou Rod looked like he was going to be that guy, and he was putting up huge numbers. He was doing great things in the backcourt. Uh, but then you get to January, he kind of gets bogged down with injuries. So if he can stay healthy, he's definitely a guy that's going to go and get you 15 to 17 a night. Um, he's going to get you a handful of rebounds, make the right plays, have the right energy, um, get some, make some big defensive stops. Uh, but I think the Rebels are going to be a team that's going to be much more balanced in scoring, unlike last year, the last two years with Bryce Hamilton um, and with Elijah Harkless. They're going to have a lot more balance. I think that's going to be good and well-suited for them because you've got so many different guys that can contribute in so many different ways. Um, and the other thing that stood out from that scrimmage and those, those secret box scores that got leaked, if, if you've got Jalen Hill going one for 10 and Justin Webster going three for 10 and you, you barely lose to a team the caliber of USC and what they have with, 
Boogie Ellis and Isaiah Collier, you're in a good spot because I don't think that those guys are going to go combine four for 20 uh, more than, than just that one time this year. The D held down uh, Boogie Ellis pretty good. I think he was four or 15. Uh, no Josh Morgan, who's a big on the USC side. No Bronny, which sucks right now for USC, and I hope he's cleared soon so he can play. Um, keep in mind the other thing is no DJ Thomas for UNLV, and they lost by three to USC. So um, he's going to bring a lot to this team, and <laughs> he's going to bring a lot. Uh, but that's encouraging that the offense was still pretty decent without their point guard. Yeah, and I think you, you had the clip earlier this week with, with, with Kevin, and, I, and me and Kevin exchanged some, some text and some conversation this week and said the same type of thing. He was just encouraged um, and a lot of good things that, that the guys did in considering the situation and, and not having DJ play. Um, it, it's just like it, it leaves you wondering and helping you get everybody healthy and ready to go because if you do have your point guard lead the show, those shots that those guys did miss that maybe were wide, weren't wide open, maybe they're going to be wide open next time. They're going to be more in a, in a better rhythm with DJ delivering those passes. Uh, so I think, again, it's, it's, it's a promising where they are right now compared, compared to where they were rebuilding the team for the fourth year in a row. Um, I think this is, it's, it's good omens for what they're going to have looking forward in the future. Now we're just 13 days away until they get this thing started for real. All right, Curtis, we appreciate a couple minutes. Thank you. Thanks, guys. We'll see you soon. There he is. CT. Curtis Terry. That was all I want to say. Um, I like Caleb Boone and what I've seen in practice so far. Mm-hmm. So legit, six seven and a half to six nine, and he'll fire. So he played at Oklahoma State. So did Keelan. Keelan took another year, played at Pacific. But uh, Caleb Boone's an interesting guy, a guy that you don't see at a lot of Mountain West schools where he's you know, upwards of 6'8", can play center, and can also face the basket and shoot threes. I'm just excited to watch this team because I like teams with length, especially in college basketball. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be turnovers, but deflections, interrupting, jumping, passing lanes, doing all those sort of things. You can play big. You can be like smallest position, 6'4", 6'5". Well, I mean, there's a – there's a group at the the two, the three, the four, and even can play center where most of the guys are between six five and six eight. Yep. And there's going to be times. I don't know. I didn't get a split because this was a secret scrimmage. Um, but there's going to be times when they're going to be super big, and Jalen Hill at six five six six is going to play point guard. Yeah, and well, I mean, and one of the aspects that next time I, I next time I talk to my buddy Kev, uh, I'm going to ask him about underrated aspect about some of these long lineups, guards that can rebound. Right, that's going to help you because they got killed on the glass at times last year.